Hello everybody, my name is Morgan Cholton and you are listening to The Morgan Show, powered by Studio Free, the place where everyone is heard, everyone is valued and everyone is part of the conversation. I am so excited for my guest today. I've written like, like, like I've, I've, I've written you an intro, so oh, just bear with me. Okay. She is an actor and a writer who has worked on the most prestigious writing programs with theatres such as the Royal Court and the Lyric Hammersmith. She has written and starred in her own one-woman play, which premiered at Edinburgh Fringe and was a Fringe first winner. It then transferred to the Bunker Theatre. She is a beautiful and talented person. It is Miss Emma Dennis Edwards. How are you, darling? I'm good. Oh my gosh, that's such a cool intro. I cool, really wasn't like it? it? It was cute. Love it. <laughs> so perfect. Thank you so much for being here. No, I'm really glad to be here. This is so very like cool. you're amazing. I'm like this is so crazy. Oh. Um, how are you doing? <laughs> I'm really, really good. I'm excited to be in the Morgan Show world, <laughs> Morgan Show universe. I know she's here. She's here. <laughs> right. I think like the first thing I want to talk about, which is like my one of probably my favorite and what made me fall in love with you was Funeral Flowers. When I came to see it, I was like obsessed. Oh. It was incredible. <laughs> Um, so like I, it's gone on such a journey since I've mm, seen it like mm. you, it, you've gone everywhere I feel like we have gone everywhere um, but tell me like what was your inspiration for writing Funeral Flowers what what made you feel like it was a yeah. story which needed to be tell, told I, I think I um, so originally it was a commission with the Royal Court mm -hmm. and uh, how the commission worked is they asked us to work with a member of like the local community in Tottenham. So I met this amazing woman who had started her floristry business whilst in prison. And I was like, oh, that's really interesting. And just thinking about the responsibility that we have to people who we talk to and how we kind of use those stories and how we kind of explore voices that may, might not necessarily be our own. Yeah. So it didn't feel quite right to kind of write a play about her life it was, it was a bit like that's a really interesting story but actually what we're trying to say about young women uh, young women growing up in care about um the way that women who are in prison who are mothers the mm -hmm. way how that affects their relationships with their kids that's kind of what we wanted to talk about so i think that was the main inspiration for funeral flowers yeah. and then the more i kind of started researching flowers i was like oh this is really interesting <laughs> so now i love flowers I've, i mean i always did love flowers but i know about five it made you love them more <laughs> yeah i know about the five that are mentioned in the play i know about them really really well <laughs> i love it um and you also like you've you, you originally took the play to Edinburgh Fringe, didn't you? Mm. And then you went to the Bunker Theatre. I did, yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, when it was on as part of like the, the Tottenham Festival, uh, which is the Royal Court thing, I wasn't actually in it. So I wasn't acting in it. And so I think... Was it, that weird? No, I think the first time was fine because it, it, I hadn't written something for me. And all the characters in the play are not things that I'd necessarily be cast as yeah so it gave me a lot of kind of freedom when I was writing so I was like well I'm not really writing it for me yeah and I think I'd probably write a different show if I was writing a show that I would be in yeah, necessarily so it just gave me so much more freedom when I was writing the show mm -hmm. and then when it got taken from a 10 minute show to an hour show to go to Edinburgh um it just wow, worked it was 10 out. minutes first it was 10 minutes so originally like literally the first 10 minutes of the play uh was was the show before Whoa. and then yeah then we turned it into an hour just had you written the whole play or what did you had you only just written no the 10 i wrote minutes? for edinburgh so i'd written 10 minutes wow. i'd only written 10 minutes and then i was like and it felt like a complete play i was like yeah oh this is the show which is still quite similar to the first bit of funeral flowers yeah, so the yeah. first 10 minutes is what it was before and i was like oh let me explore some of these characters and some of these voices yeah and then all of a sudden all these 
people came into my head and I was like, oh, let's create this world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so that was kind of what we did for Edinburgh. And then I was like, I don't know if you've ever been to Edinburgh, but it just turned out that, you know, I'm, I'm cheap. <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm an actor, I'm cheap. I'll just do it because yeah. there wasn't like a, a huge budget for the show. Yeah, of and course. I didn't quite feel right about asking the wonderful actress who had done it at the court to kind of do it for very little money up in Edinburgh. Um, so I decided to do it and it went really well and I was like okay and it was really interesting because these are all things like I said that I just would never be cast as like yeah. I would never which I think is why it's so incredible why it works yeah, yeah. <laughs> it works in a really weird way yeah. doesn't it um, so yeah then end up going to Edinburgh then transferred to the bunker and then Bernie how long was you at the bunker for? it was like four weeks? three yeah. weeks? three weeks three weeks three weeks three weeks at the bunker I did two shows at the free word center and i did and just to add the bunker theater it was like almost sold out every night yeah it? it did it did sell really really well really well and like i was looking at the reviews honey five stars i know it was really cute and it's really weird because i don't really read reviews yeah so i don't read reviews and so even when i was in edinburgh i kind of knew it was going well because yeah. i don't read reviews so i didn't when all like the awards and stuff started happening i was like oh gosh like literally i found out that i'd got the fringe first when I was literally just about to do a show and so the producers hadn't told me because they knew I was going to go do the show Yeah. and I got a text message from Nick who's the head of performing arts at, at the Pleasance yeah. and he's like congratulations and I was like for what? <laughs> what like, are you talking about? What are you talking about? So yeah it did really really well and then this year we took it to the Roundhouse uh, which was That's amazing, super exciting. Which was brilliant. I love it there. And Hackney Empire Studios, which was great. God, you've been all over the place, haven't been you? Been all over the place. And then later on in the year, we're going to take some prisons and some regional venues. And also we're going to the North Wall, which is in Oxford, which I'm really looking forward to. Amazing. So, yeah, it's amazing. busy. Like, I... Th- I- saw a one-man show at the National Theatre a few weeks ago. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The Death of England. And I think because I saw yours and it was so incredible, I was always comparing it to... Because <laughs> the, yours was the only one, the only other one that I've seen. Yeah. So I was like, I loved yours one, yours so much and I thought it was like so powerful and the way you did it was incredible. The, the writing was like incredible as well. Um, I've not the, paid him, honestly. <laughs> um, I swear to you guys. <laughs> She's like handing me £10 notes under the table. <laughs> there you go. Um, um, no, and then when I saw it at the... Uh, the National, I was like, because they have, they must have had a much bigger budget than yeah, what yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I was like, oh God, that was <laughs> underwhelming. Oh, really? Yeah. What about the Jamaican accent? I've, I've not seen it, but I heard about the, the Jamaican accent. It was accent. like, it was all very problematic. <laughs> oh, I was gosh. sitting there like really uncomfortable. Also because it was like, the, the audience was predominantly white. Yeah, yeah. And I felt like, it didn't necessarily need to be told. Mm. And I was like, I felt uncomfortable the whole way through. Yeah, it's a tricky one going to see stuff at the National. uh, It's like always hit or miss, isn't it? Yeah, because like they do have some really incredible shows and incredible eyes working there. Yeah. So you can see some of, some of the best, I think, that this country has to offer. But it is, the, the audience experience is quite interesting, I think. And like, more often than not, you know, like the audience is very white and mm-hmm. so often like I'm like the only black person there and I don't know, it's quite hard when it's a show thematically that is quite charged about race and stuff like that. So yeah. I'm a bit like, oh my God, like it's really, really awkward. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All these posh people are laughing at things that are not fucking funny. I know. Wait, am I allowed to swear? Of course. Okay, good. <laughs> I will never tell you not to do anything. <laughs> um, yeah, literally, like obviously I'm, 
I'm not black. So like I can't. You're not black. Oh, I know. Guys. It's hard to tell. It's hard to tell. <laughs> I get I get mistaken for Emma all the time. Um, <laughs> um, no, but like I was sitting there and like I was feeling so uncomfortable. Like I mm. it it felt like the whole way through I was trying to find a meaning, like some sort of like reason for this to be put on mm. and a reason for him to be saying certain things and doing certain things mm. and I none of it like made sense in my head I don't yeah, know if it was the writing yeah, yeah. or the acting or but that's fine yeah that's really interesting and I think as well like so in Funeral Flowers there are characters who are not black yeah. as well uh, which I play and it's it's a really interesting kind of exploring kind of different races cultures genders even which which i do in that show and actually really i think it does come down to thinking about why why this story and why now yeah and and what do those people in that world say about kind of what you're creating and also going going about whatever you're doing with respect and i feel like sometimes when you don't you're not mindful of like what you're saying and what you're doing Mm. sometimes that is completely lost and I think that's the reason why it affects an audience so much yeah in sometimes a negative way you're right you're right and I think with funeral flowers obviously there's um uh so there is there's a queer woman in it and Mm -hmm. and kind of and and I'm a straight ish mostly straight (laughs) I'm a heterosexual. We don't we in, don't like in, labels here. In in the main. Um so I am like like playing that and kind of thinking about that and also putting that character in a situation where people are homophobic towards her. Yeah. And and what that looks like and I think there's a real responsibility as as a writer which I really felt mm-hmm. that um the homophobic stuff that happens to that character has to be in there. Mhm. But also, I have to make that very clear that it's not acceptable or justified. That's really, There are really so many important. layers. There's so many layers to that. And you have to find a way to do that. Otherwise, you're throwing that kind of abuse in the air without any kind of sense of, yeah. you know, looking after the people who might be watching yeah. it. And I just think, nah, that's yeah. not cool. That's it's not about, cool. like, doing your research and, like, Definitely. being so aware of what you're putting out there which I think some writers aren't no they're they're not they'll just write it and be like yeah that's cool and also I think there's this weird kind of thing where shock is is seems quite important it seems very important to shock audiences and I'm a bit like but it's cool to shock as long as there's like a reason it's cool to shock if there's a reason but I I kind of don't care about that like I'm not like that's that's not my party trick do you know what I mean I'm here to tell a story and if people are shocked or surprised by something in it cool but they're not going to be shocked and surprised to the point where they are hurt or damaged by it's it. not like forcing the no. shock the shock factor no 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 because i think that's when like you feel a bit uncomfortable it's watching where we it. go wrong yeah exactly <laughs> exactly um what made you get into writing mm. like because i think that's you like i was researching you mm. and the stuff that you have done so like he she they buried mm. the yard you're part of the ITV two writers room you were. Yeah, I was. BBC as well. Um, yeah. So, like, you are a writer who is out there doing stuff and writing things. Mm. and ha- You have this platform to show stuff to an audience. Yeah. Um, what made you get into get into writing? Yeah, I think that's... Yeah, I think what you said about platforming is actually something I hadn't thought about it, but I think actually, ultimately, writing gives me a, a platform mm-hmm. to kind of talk about the things that I want to... I want to talk about and the stories that I want to tell so I think that's why I got into it so having left drama school I um, 
it's really interesting because I also went to the Brit school. Yeah. And I was talking to Simon, uh, one of the teachers there, about, and he was like, did you write when you were at Brits? And I was like, absolutely, I didn't at all. Like, Really? No, I didn't. I didn't. I have all, I wrote stories as a kid, like prose, like kind of stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then discovered acting and was like really acting and always like doing that. And it was when I left drama school and I'd been acting for a few years that I actually was like, oh, actually, I'm, I, I kind of went for a spate of some like not very good auditions. And I was like, oh, well, I could write something better. And found it to be much harder than I of course, thought it of course. was. But I was just like interested in kind of using my creativity yeah. in a way that I felt like at that time and not so much now, I think when you start out as an actor, perhaps... The, the artistry and creativity isn't necessarily there mm -hmm. for a while. A lot of the time you're in quite small parts or you're kind of, uh, you're kind of with people much more experienced than you. So perhaps the art, you're not as trusted with the artistry. You're, you're much more of a sponge to kind of absorb material and speak it and play it. hundred percent. Um, so at that time I was like, oh, well, I, I don't feel very creative. I feel like I'm, I'm doing some really amazing projects. And I was, yeah. um, I'm, I'm involved in some really great plays, but I, I wanted to kind of take control of my creativity. And that's why I started writing. Yeah. Um, and then for me, I'm just a person who's obsessed with craft and skill. And so I was like, right, I need to go to some writers groups. So I started, I went to the Royal Court writers group, Soho, did one at Lyric want to avoid quite a few yeah. and just just to really get a sense of of what what it is that I wanted to do because I think for me it's stories and I love stories and I think crafting stories is really important and what's really interesting as an actor um now when I'm working on things that aren't like kind of my stuff I think I'm much more trusted in terms of my artistry as to what I can offer as an actor as well so it's been really cool that those two careers have kind of really fed each yeah, yeah, other yeah. which has been really like really grateful for that. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Mm. And I think, like, the time when I felt, like, so connected to you and the work that you did was when you came in and did a workshop with us. Mm. Um, and, like, I think it made me realise how important it is because they're, like, people who have the platforms and they're writing stories, sometimes mm. they aren't stories which I think necessarily need to be told. And I think there are so many facets of us as humans and the kind of relationships that we go through and the things that we go through which aren't mm. being told. Mm -hmm. And they need to be because... Otherwise, we're going to be stuck in this, like, oh, yeah. this is where we are, this is where we've always been, this is where we mm. will always be. Um, so, like, when you came and, like, we were talking and chatting and, like, we all had the opportunity to just write about whatever we wanted to. Mm -hmm. And I think incorporating your personal experiences into what you're doing on a day-to-day -day basis, whether it be you acting, you writing, you're producing, you're, like, just having a chat with someone, I mm. think it's that's something which I loved and I think... I like took so much away from when I saw Funeral Flowers because it felt so like relevant and now. Yeah. And like there was a need for it to be put on. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is it, isn't it? And I think it is working out what that is because there are so many stories that there just doesn't seem to be any reason why we need to keep them the same. The same ones. one on repeat. I'm like, come on. We've yeah. had it before. Yeah. Ultimately, I think as artists, like our work should always be pushing a conversation forward. Yeah always be pushing forward because uh, we can't continue to have the same conversations that we had 10 years ago we have to be like okay cool let, let, let's let's keep going yeah and I think that's my kind of work mm -hmm. 100% and you're also part of the Old Vic 12 
as well, weren't yeah, you? Yeah, just finished that. Yeah, yeah. How was that? It was great. It was great. It was, um, so it's a year-long kind of talent program, mm-hmm. and I wrote a show called Bricks, which is so different from Funeral Flowers. It's about social housing over 60 years. Wow. So it looks at a block of flats that is opposite um, Grenfell Tower, and it uh, goes from 67 all the way to 2017 um, when the fire happened. Wow. Yeah. And it's got like something like 26 characters. And then I had 12 actors, like amazing actors um, from stage and screen from all over the place. And I think that experience of kind of writing a play over a year was really, it was a real luxury to be kind of yeah paid to write a play for a year and do all of that research and really like explore that like properly world. get your teeth into it and be like yeah. yeah and I think like when when Grenfell happened um I I, I remember like being like I don't understand how this has happened mm-hmm. and I was like I want to talk about it I really want to talk about it so I want to write a play about it and luckily the old Vic were very much like yeah cool like yeah we want to talk about it but I was like okay cool but like ultimately uh, to, to get to how we get to the place where a, a tower could burn in in the middle of the of the, one of the richest boroughs in in the country it's insane it is yeah it, it's madness and then and and we have to talk about what has happened for it to get to that because yeah. that hasn't happened out of nowhere that's you know you know a, a campaign i would say of 30 40 years of of kind of demonizing people in social housing yeah. and 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 demonizing that world so that that could happen and I, I was like we have to talk about that so that was that was really an interesting experience and i think cuz the old vic its reputation of, of being, uh, you know, I don't know, they do a lot of kind of very old stuffy plays. Um, I'm really grateful for them to kind of take in the risk on this particular yeah. show. And yeah, they'll be so think, willing to put it on as well. Be incredible. willing to kind of, yeah. And I think working out where that play will go next is, is really exciting. Um, so we had the rehearsal reading like last month and now just figuring out Who's going to take on my 12th <laughs> and a play? Who is rich enough? Uh, well, we shall see. Well, we know the theatres who are rich enough, but will they be brave enough? Exactly. Well, if it's just <laughs> going to be the death of England on repeat, then we're, yeah, we've got no chance. Um, and I think that kind of links to like my next thing of like, mm. I think all theatre is political. Yeah. And if it, everything is charged with politics because like our whole society is built off that. Mm-hmm. So like what, what you were talking about with Grenfell and mm. like, what inspired you to write that play I think it links to like these people who have just been put in power again and again and again having this power to make change but not doing it oh my gosh so have you basically been have you ever been educated under a Labour government like so most of your life it's been conservative right all conservative that's so interesting which is horrid yeah actually horrid because I had a little bit of it because I think when did Tony Blair come to power 907 so the whole of my secondary school year most of well I was a Brit as well and then Tories came in David Cameron 2007-2008 gosh so like I've had both yeah. so I think that's also informed like some of my politics yeah it, it's very disconcerting to me as somebody who grew up in Hackney so very working class family 
um, who massively benefited from from socialism. Like um, like my mum was able to buy a home. My dad's an immigrant. Yeah. Uh, and were able to kind of uh, you know my dad has a degree and that was through kind of grants rather than loans. My dad didn't pay a student loan. And it's all of the kind of benefits that they've had from kind of, you know, socialist governments. Mm -hmm. And and the opportunities that I've had in terms of, uh, you know, when, when, it, when it was needed, I had free school dinners. Yeah. When, uh, when I was at Brits, I had, um, you know, oh, what's it called? Money Bur they gave me. Bursary, isn't it? EMA. EMA. Yep, I had EMA. All of the things that were available to me are not available <laughs> to any of you guys. Um, and the the prices of kind of drama school tuition and and, and universities are, are are so huge. It's crazy. It's mad. I remember the there were people in my year who were paying half the amount of money I was paying for drama school. So I was there on a, on a kind of three grand a year when it was three grand a year, which is not at all now. Um, but there were people who were paying half of that because the year before they'd kind of done a foundation course. So they were on the old system where it was like oh. £1,500 to go. Oh my God. And I remember they just really quietly slipped it in. They were like, don't mind me. Don't mind us, it's now double. Yeah. And we were like, okay. And I remember us not like kind of being like, oh gosh, like that's expensive. But yeah, like, and not protesting about it. And I also kind of wish that like maybe if we'd had a bit more fight at that point. Maybe something could have changed. Maybe something could have changed. But then it it was a point where the Liberal Democrats were offering, you know, free tuition. And I think so many people my age really fell for that. Like mm -hmm. I think we really and it was our first time voting at that point and you know, what they were selling us was an idea of free tuition and a and a return. Well, not even a return, like a continuation of what we'd had. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And we were like, okay, well, we've done pretty well for that. That yeah. makes sense. And so we didn't fight that fight. And it, and it's scary now to see what that's become. Yeah, it and, is. And, and and university and vocational training as, as business and as people are no longer students. Well, you are students, but you're also clients because yeah. of that relationship. Because of the way it is now. Yeah. I think it was also like, the fact that the Conservatives have been in power for so long mm. and Boris, who's like, we're not even going to talk about that lady, but the fact that... <laughs> that the fact young that, girl. <laughs> that young girl. The <laughs> fact that he's just been elected, I think it's like a reflection on mm. our country and still where we are. Yeah. And like the viewpoints that we have, like although we claim to be, like we have come leaps and bounds mm. with everything, mm. I think it's also like, but have we? I think yeah. London, yes. Mm -hmm. As soon as you step outside of London, yeah. Uh, yeah, and it. I mean, it's interesting. It comes from a real place of 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 fear. I think it is scary. People are really scared. I think people are scared, and I think someone like Boris, weirdly, is something that's very recognisable because it's yeah. something that we've always had. So, so we, people we, like clutch yeah, on, because like, we had men like Boris, yeah, like run our country, and that that's how it's been. And I think people are so desperate to like cling on to that tradition that they're not even hearing the, the policies and the fact that, you know, the, the only, like, this is a man who, who has everything, do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And, and just decided he wanted to be prime minister because why not? 
with, with no kind of sense of like, you know, I'm doing this for this, for this, for this, or I want to change for him. this He's doing it for, for him. him. And it's, it's not even about, you know, those people, you know, he hasn't come in here. I mean, I'd even more respect it if you get like a kind of right winger who, who believes in, in the kind of, uh, the politics of the right, you know yeah. what I mean, and I, but I don't even believe that he does. No, it's just he wants to be. He's prime like a show pony. Yeah, he would have been. He would have joined any party. He would have. He would have been any politician if it, if it meant that he could have got power. Yeah, and I mean that's that's a really it's a it's an interesting point where we get people, who are where they are just because they want to be. Yeah, and because they're allowed. And it's also scary to like the kind of things that he says. It's like he's not even thinking, no. and this guy is like the person who is making decisions mm -hmm. for the whole country. Really big decisions. And I feel like he's, like, marginalising certain people. And, as, like, for us, being mm. gay, being a person of colour, mm. it's scary to have someone like that in power because it's, like, they're making decisions for us, but they're not even caring about us. They're not... They're, like... They're acting as though we don't necessarily exist. They're making decisions which aren't in which aren't for the benefit of us. They're making mm. decisions that are, in fact, the opposite and are only really looking out for the white, yeah. cis, straight man. Yeah, yeah, which is really hard. I really think. hard. And, I, and I'm, I do worry for, for people coming up, like younger people who, who see someone like that. And, and feel like it's okay. And feel like it's okay because it's yeah. not. And ultimately we need, inclusion is really important. 100% representation is really important and the thing is it's like we, we've got to stop pretending that like kind of uh, trans people are not new mm -hmm. queer people are not new black people are not new do you know what I mean like Sister, these, we've been here for we've been here for a decades, long years. time and then that we're, we're part of the fabric of this country and the mm -hmm. culture of this country so to try and pretend and kind of marginalise that um, yeah, we're not buying it. We're no, not buying absolutely it. not. And it's it's also, on the one hand, it is really cool and like it makes me feel so much better. That there are loads of people, millions mm -hmm. of people who are who have all of these people's backs and like mm -hmm. are support out there yeah. actually actively doing stuff to yeah. make sure that this isn't the way it's always going to be, which I think is amazing. Mm. Yeah. Wow. Political, the political segment we of the podcast. There. We got <laughs> we, there. From one extreme to another. We got there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Let's 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 ignore Boris for the rest of the podcast. Yeah, let's ignore him. What he's, a weird. He's, what a... he's 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 busy with his with his child. I think he needs a new a new wig. I think probably a, a new wig would be cute. Yeah. Does he dye his hair that color? Or is it actually <laughs> that color? If he does, that is so. Awkward. I'm I'm really like. Imagine if he's just like ginger, fully ginger. That would be kind of cute. Because, uh, have I seen pictures of him as a kid? I've, I felt like I heard that he had black hair at one point. Do you remember when there was this whole thing that he was mixed race? Don't make me scream. Do you remember this? Emma, I'm going to scream. Do you, remember, do you remember? Who told you that? There was like this whole thing about like, the, when the Conservatives came in, like under when, when he got in, and they were like, oh, it's the most diverse cabinet, because obviously, you know, you got pretty, and they're like, and you know, um, Boris is like, you know, like I think one eighth Turkish or something crazy like that. He's a mixed race. Like, so like, they were like, you know, as a mixed race man, immigrant, <laughs> immigrant man, I was like, what? Is going on here? They're like, you know, he's an immigrant because you know he's also like got an American 
American passport. Oh my god! And I was like, guys, like stop this agenda. He's but, so diverse. Yeah, he's so diverse. He's all. He's a minority. He's, I would say. And and an oppressed one. Yeah. So oppressed. <laughs> he's so oppressed. So oppressed. Boris, I'm so sorry, guy. You know, and now you know he's got a new baby on the way, and it's all kicking off for him. Let's not oppress him any further. No. He's, he, he will start complaining. I know it. Oh my gosh. What if he shut this down? Can you imagine? He's going to he's gonna put like the whole country into like, well, like shutdown. I mean, he did shut down Parliament. Oh, wait. Wait. <laughs> Hold on. Hold up. <laughs> Hold up. God, Boris. What a character. <laughs> anyway, have there been like any significant piece of theatre, TV mm. shows, films over the past like year or so that you was like, oh, that was really, really cool. I really enjoyed that. Yeah. Or so, or like some some actors or writers, or you're like, yeah, yeah. They're there, great. There's been, I watched um, Teenage Dick. Um, oh, I know, I know. It's so it's really annoying to what say. What channel it. was that on? It was on at the Donmar. Oh, it was, it was a, it, a piece Donmar. of theatre. Yeah, it was a theatre show, and it was, it had the lead guy um, is a disabled actor. Um, oh God, I think it's Daniel Monks. His name is. He's brilliant. Like fantastic actor, and it was kind of like a, a, a kind of take of Richard the Second or right. Third, uh, the Shakespeare play. Um, Shakespeare. Yeah, and it was so interesting because obviously, like Richard is a disabled character, mm-hmm. but we meet him um, in in the height of his power and all of that stuff. But this was like set in a high school. Wow. So it's like an American high school, but taking on like that story. So seeing him as a teenager and seeing him kind of uh, as somebody who, who is oppressed by like other people and like have what that turns into and yeah. like the psychology behind how he gets to where he is. And it was just such an interesting take on, on a Shakespeare play and also on kind of disability. And I don't think I've seen anything with a disabled actor in, in the forefront of the show, you know, he's the lead on the West End. He's not playing disabled, he is disabled. He is disabled. Amazing. And they also had another disabled actress whose name I cannot remember. Oh, is it Rebecca Madley? I mean, it might be Rebecca Madley. And and she's um, brilliant. She's in Years and Years. Um, oh, cool. Actress who's in a wheelchair and she's in it as well. And like... It is just brilliant. It's got one of the best dance scenes I've ever seen. Oh my god! And yeah, it, it's just really an important. It felt really, really important, yeah. and I and I just loved it. And yeah. I thought the acting. It was one of the things that I watched that I was like, oh, I wish I'd written that. That's smart. Mm. Like about ten minutes in, I was like, this is really oh, good. Oh, this is clever. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I. Yeah, yeah. I, I wish that idea had came to me. <laughs> it's like I wish that inspiration had come. <laughs> But I love that, and I think that. But you can like felt... take stuff and like put it into. into Definitely, other I think that was just really, really clever, and I just I loved it. Yeah. I'm trying to think what else. What else? Have you seen about? Parasite? I haven't seen it. I saw it the other day. It's incredible. I'm the last person to have seen this. I thought I was the last person, so. No, so now you're not. Now I'm not. So now I need to see it. What else has been Oscar nommed? So I've not watched any of these. I'm that not... was kind of the only one that. I've that seen. was the only one that you've seen. Yeah. I want to see a portrait of a lady on fire. Mm. That looks like really intense, like kind of like... It does look intense. I'm loving it. I want that. But I think there's just so much like cool art happening. Yeah. That I've just been really 
really excited by. I saw, um, and like most of the bunker season, which I love. I know I'm like, so, that's I'm like so such biased. a cool theater. I'm so biased, but like I love. It is true though. I just love them. Like I think when you compare the kind of shows that they put on, we're gonna go back to the national. But if you compare it to the national, it's like, although. The, the space isn't that big they haven't mm. got that big of a budget like the plays they put on are so incredibly powerful yeah and important yeah I and like the people so. that are cast they're not just I they're think like so. it's so diverse yeah no it's it, it is an amazing amazing building and I think what Chris who's a really amazing friend of mine who's the artistic director of the bunker like what he's he's created there I think has been really really important and I think one of the reasons why he's able to do that and what also makes the bunker difficult is because they get no public funding. Yeah. And because they're not kind of liable to a board mm-hmm. or anything like that. They can literally program, well, when it's ending very soon, but they were able to kind of program whatever they wanted. Yeah. And there's a freedom in that. Whereas I suppose with somewhere like the National... What is so hard is because you're because you're publicly funded, because you have a board, because you have this weird kind of national responsibility to respond to 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 the country. You have to cater to who's going to come and to see the shows. To, the, your, to your shows, which I think is really hard. Really hard. Because they've got a public, and then there's also like quite a lot of corporate sponsors that they have as well. So mm-hmm. there's like a corporate responsibility. I would not want to run that building. I know. So stressful. <laughs> I, I think it'd be so stressful. It would be. I think it'd be so stressful, but I I went to see The Welkin, which is also an incredible, incredible... I heard it was really good. Incredible piece of work. And two of my friends are in it. And what what's really special about that show is these two friends, uh, we went to youth theatre together at Oval House. Amazing. Um all three of us come from very similar kind of working class backgrounds and just to see them on the stage at the national neither of them went to drama school um one kind of did playing up at the national youth theater one did the rep company and you know to see them make it on that stage felt really really special because yeah. it's like they are Women, uh, you know, my friend Sainab is Asian, Rhea is white, kind of working class background. And just to see them on that stage and like be part of that show and really taking up space felt so important. I was like, this is what should be happening. This is what a national theatre should look like. It yeah. shouldn't just be, you know, a million one people who graduated from RADA. And, and like, gosh, I've got lots of friends at RADA who are super talented, who deserve <laughs> to be on stage, and that's not what I'm saying. Yeah, 100%. But, but a national theatre is representative. And with that show, what they did was that. Yeah. And it just felt... I just felt really proud to just be there and at their press night. And I was like, this is it. Like, yeah. Because I, I, I'm telling you, 10 years ago when we were at that youth theatre that didn't feel possible mm-hmm. it didn't feel possible it didn't feel attainable and so for other people to go and see that show other young people from various backgrounds to say oh actually okay yeah no maybe I haven't maybe I didn't get into drama school maybe I didn't this didn't happen for me but it's fine but it's fine because that can still happen for yeah. me and it can 
And it is it is moments like that which are so important. Like, really important. Ha, ha, see, seeing someone who you can relate to on stage mm-hmm. in a film, in TV, it's like so incredible. Yeah. And it makes you feel so like... Oh. Because there are just so many journeys to, to it. And I do feel like, I suppose in a lot of ways, my journey has been like a quite traditional journey. You know, I went to Brits. I went to drama school and I went out into the world and then do you know what I mean like that that's the kind of trajectory of, yeah. of my career has been that but I think when I'm working with people there's there's so many different trajectories in so many different ways although yeah the majority of people I work with have gone to Oxford or Cambridge but um, that's besides the point but that's but you know that's that's one way in and that's also a very traditional route but yeah there are so many like different ways in and I and that's why it's really important to me that we we keep on at our government and our local councils to keep our youth theatres going yeah to keep those after school clubs to ensure that if if there are drama classes in youth theatres that there are bursary places mm-hmm. and people know where those bursary places are and when I was doing funeral flowers it was so important to me that anyone who couldn't afford to see the show could see it if they wanted to. And if that meant that I had to put my hand in my own pocket, I was going to do that. Um, and the bunker was so supportive in that. And so were so many people. Like, so many people dived into my DMs and were like, uh, can I buy oh, four oh, tickets? Yeah. Can I do that? And did that. And the generosity of that is how we keep the arts going because we've got to be generous because we've got to look out for each other. And having people like that is incredible. I think it's important. Yeah, very, very important. Mm. Um, What else we talk about? So much. Um, What else have you got lined up for the rest of the year? Okay, so what have I got lined up this year? Because you've already done so much. I've done a lot. Um, The rest of the year, so I'm writing on continuing drama. So that is Holby Casualty EastEnders. Whoa. So I'll be put commissions for those. She's not coming to Blaine 2020, is she? I'm coming here to kind of write those stories. And I think also, you know, the BBC, like many organisations, needs to kind of wake up and be a little bit more diverse and representative and I'm really looking forward to kind of being part of that journey yeah it's incredible I'm not gonna <laughs> don't worry guys I've got you I've got you I'm looking she's got our back I've got you guys' backs so it will be that so I've got some commissions there I'm also kind of doing it with my own original television stuff um, which is really exciting um so working on that and yeah acting stuff's coming up i've got a couple of projects that will coming up it's really annoying because you can't you can't always say (laughs) this is like yeah because i'm like ah she's like what can i say what can i say what can i say say? but yeah so so acting and writing and and doing that stuff and i'm really hoping also to kind of continue with like i do quite a lot of work with young people Mm -hmm facilitation and I'm hoping to kind of still continue some of that work so at the moment I've got a really cool writers group that I'm working with in Waltham Forest Amazing. with the Royal Court so a writers group there of young people who just have amazing stories to tell so developing their stuff yeah yeah, yeah. so as well as I think for me this year as well as like working on my own projects I think the next kind of if I'm thinking about the decade I'm really hoping to be in a position where I can help other people get their stuff developed and yeah. get it on, on, on stage and screen as well. So perhaps taking on more of an executive producer, producer role, I think is something that I'm interested in kind of moving Definitely. into. 
So, yeah. Super exciting. It's really exciting. What about you? What are you up to? Well, you know, just got my own podcast. Got your own podcast. You know it is. Um, it's really exciting. I know. Yeah, it's super, super exciting. Uh, this is the, I'm like, we just came off our Common Ground season. So, mm. like, we've. I feel like we're like in, like, um, hibernation mode where yeah. I'm like, I don't want to do anything. So, this is really cool that I get to, like be out here like chatting to people like you it's yeah and i think this podcast space is really interesting because it's like you can create your own kind of corner of the internet isn't it it's like your it's like your kind of digital world yeah which is really cool yeah it's cool and it's like something i've wanted to do for like a few months but i've never really had the opportunity to do it so Mm. like being in studio free in oxford street is like so cool out of this world it's so it's so cool and i think like it's even that like companies like this who are willing to support mm-hmm. someone like me who doesn't have a huge following but mm-hmm. it's like willing to get out there and like do the work do and like, the work yeah it's so cool I think it's really cool like um and actually like you have so many interesting things to say Why, which I think you. is really cool it's interesting I'm very interested in like kind of yeah how you kind of got into the podcasting kind of sphere yeah and what that is well SJ who's like kind of producing the podcast Mm. she is like a family friend Mm. so when she got this job I obviously she already knew that I was I've been wanting to do the podcast for ages Mm -hmm. because there isn't really there are loads of like queer podcasts Mm -hmm. but there aren't really any which is like there's it's usually just gay people talking for ages just just gay people whereas I think having someone like me who is LGBT um, but is also having people on who come from loads of different backgrounds yeah. is something which is it's like a kind of like a different mm. dynamic mm. Um, and it's like something which I'm super interested in is like people's experiences and how they have affected them so far yeah. and I think you can learn so much from other people Definitely. you don't even take it into consideration until you're like in the moment where you're talking to someone and then you're like wow I actually took that much away from that person yeah. so like having people whoever ends up listening to the podcast mm-hmm. hearing someone who c- they can relate to I think is incredible yeah it's really cool it's um, really cool. Yeah, super exciting. Yeah. So, like, yeah, that's so cool, actually. I never thought about that. Because I suppose I do listen to quite a lot of, like, queer podcasts. Because they're better. But, like, <laughs> true, true. Like, so much more know. interesting. It just seems like, it just, it does seem like a, a, a space or sphere that actually, it just works very well. Like, I didn't even know that, like, straight people did podcasts until, like, I got Spotify. <laughs> I was like, what? Who are all these white men with podcasts? What, Dermo Leary? What? What's he talking about? David Tennant has his own podcast as well. Like, what are these people talking about? Yeah. Like, having, like, kind of listened to, like, The Read and, like, which is kind of, like, which is my favourite podcast, but yeah. it's, like, black, um black uh, black gay woman and a black gay man and they're like t- living in New York and like kind of talking about their experience Amazing. and now they've massively monetized that and have done you know it's like huge yeah um but like I was like oh this is really like interesting and like really cool and like kind of listening to kind of like RuPaul's um podcast and like that was really interesting so yeah, yeah I was like oh my god I didn't realize that like Straight, straight people, people did, them. did podcasts and I, was I know like, what do you guys talk about and then I listened to Siri and I was like oh my god like you talk about like court cases football <laughs> football oh, boring <laughs> or interview politicians they do a lot of that I'd rather so just interview you and talk about Boris Johnson yeah. 
Way got, more interesting. Are you not getting Boris Johnson on? Well, I think I think I've got him scheduled for the for, for the evening tonight. For the evening, that's cute. He's an evening guest because we've got to keep him on the DL. Mm, mm. He wants to stay on the DL. Oh my god, is like your drag character ever going to make an appearance on the podcast? Well, we're, what we're thinking is like for like a season finale, if yeah. it goes well, we're going to do like a live taping. Um, Miss Angel Delight, right? Miss Angel Delight is going to be out to play. <laughs> I love it. She's not coming to. She's not coming to play. She's coming to Slay tonight. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's super exciting, and like having you here is amazing because like, I think it also comes down to being a Brit. Like we wouldn't have mm. had this connection if no. we if we had both hadn't have gone to Brit. I mm. think so. Like, yeah. Yeah, I'm fascinated. I'm fascinated by because obviously, like, I went to Brit. Was it 15 years ago? So it's, like, really interesting to see, like, how it's kind of evolved and, like, the seeds of it, like, when I was there. And now it's, like, there's, like, a huge kind of theatre and, like, kind of just the expansion of it as a school. Yeah. And it feels like it's very much expanded in the right way. And it's, 100%. And it feels really cool. Yeah. And, yeah, like, I think it was a defining two years of my career, it Definitely. is like it was like having like almost being near the end of it now. Mm. Looking back, it's like from where I was at the beginning to where mm. I am now. It's like a completely different person. Yeah, you it developed so much. It changed everything in so many different ways. I'd never until I went to Brit. I'd never, I'd never considered acting as a career. Mm. Same actually. I'd never really thought because I didn't really know anybody who was an actor. I didn't, you know what I mean? I was like, I don't. Because you see people who are super famous, but you're like, oh, that's. Yeah, I don't. I'm never going to get there. Yeah, and you're like, well, that's, 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 you know, not a thing. And like, and I think up until I went to Brits, you know, acting drama was a hobby. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? It was like a hobby, something you did after school, or like, you know, that ridiculous GCSE that I did. But like, it was only there, I was like, oh, this, this could be a career, this could be a thing. And I think. The fact that Brits manages to be so representative of so many different groups. And it's, it's not like forced either. No. And I, and I really am interested in why Brit school is able to do that and our industry hasn't. Hmm. Like, why, why is Brit school able to be like that and then you kind of got somewhere like, I know we keep using this example and we love them, but like the National. Yeah. Like, why is the National not able to be like what Brit School mm -hmm. is? It's really fascinating. I think it's also like what is happening behind the scenes. Mm. Because obviously you, you see the show at the National and you're like, oh, that was all right. Oh, that was amazing. Mm -hmm. uh, that could have been better. But then you take into, the, into consideration the layers that mm. go into putting that show on and what people... Yeah they have to answer to to put that show yeah. on whereas the Brit is kind of like you have this freedom yeah which is so cool at our age to have that freedom because it kind of sets us up to to go into the industry yeah, and be so like true. we we want to do stuff that we feel like needs to be put so on so true and it's even like small stuff like you know I went to school in East London and like I my first black teacher was at Brit really yeah I'd never been taught by anyone who um yeah, I hadn't been taught by anyone who was black until, you know, kind of Miss Nelson, who did English Lit. She's still there, she's still going. Yeah, she's great with her, her with her trainers. She's always got, like, very always cool designer trainers, very fancy. But, yeah, that was the first time, and it was, like, even stuff like that. I'd Yeah, I'd just never thought about, like, what an influence that school has had on, on my life and my mm. career. And I think 
I, I hope that continues as it kind of develops and grows, and I think, and I think it will, because I think like the it kind of will. way to get in is is still the same, and like how they kind of do it, the fact that it's free means that it's, it's like so many more people. Yeah, because it's like pe- people who normally, if you were to go to a private drama school, mm-hmm. or like at our age, mm-hmm. people who they, they necessarily wouldn't be able to go. No, it gives them the opportunity to go and be like still get that same level of education does, even better yeah. I think I think so in a lot of ways like definitely uh, Brit school is much higher up in the league tables than 100%, my secondary school 100%. was 100% but I think yeah and I think I suppose the the kind of natural expansion that I always think of is outside of London like there's 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 a there's an Emma Dennis Edwards somewhere in a, in a town somewhere in like I don't know just outside of Newcastle um, he's from a similar background to me who probably has as much talent as I have but just does not have the access mm. and I think that doesn't have the people supporting them doesn't have the people supporting them there isn't a there isn't a Brit school in, in, in the north in that way and I think how do we as an industry respond to that because I think the biggest fear that I have now is that we're missing out on so many people because so our much industry talent. is being just mm-hmm. squeezed in a and way. And it's also that like schools, other than the Brit school, aren't really they're not willing to take the leap of faith. No. Because like I was speaking to Stuart and he said, because we just recently did the drag show, mm-hmm. and it's we're the only school that does that at our age. That's um, really and there, there was another school like up north who tried to do it, mm. but the parents shut it down, and it's like it's that thing of like the schools aren't willing to just keep going no just keep pushing through because uh, when Brit first started there must have been parents who would have been like what the hell are you making my kids doing Mm -hmm. what the what on earth but because of like the way their like manifesto is and the way they are they just push through and that's why they they are the way they are now yeah yeah and we were able to be political and controversial Virtual, I suppose. Like, like really pushing the boundary. Thinking about it now. Um, and the fact that, you know, I remember our prom and how, you know, there were couples, you know, same-sex couples who went to prom together and it and it wasn't, it wasn't a big You've deal. You've never seen it before. No. And, like, you kind of had, like, that society as well at Brits. And then... You know, and then you'd had, like, a kind of, like, Christian society. There was a Christian society when I was a Brit. <laughs> so there was just, like, you know... There's everything. Everything. Yeah. And that was, like, that was fine. Yeah. And I think that's what we have to aim for in our industry. I think we need to kind of... It, it's not enough for me to be here, to be, like, I'm... Me working as an actor and writer does not solve the diversity problem. It doesn't. What we have to now do is the next step which is ensuring that other people can come in and like paving the way so that the conversations that we're having now for somebody yeah they're continuing and we're just like we're constantly evolving we're constantly like giving people the leg up like we're starting an old girls network never mind the old boys club it's the old girls network the new girls network maybe of just like bringing people in and like actually really looking at that and that's important to me definitely me just working but me having a generation of women following me women men whoever non-binary people coming in and being like there's a space for me that's what's important to me people who hadn't been given the opportunity to have Mm -hmm. the opportunity to 
express themselves. Exactly. Which is so important. That's what we want. Right. My final question. Oh. The most important one. Okay. This is my. This is like my favorite question to ask everyone because <laughs> I love music. It's my favorite thing. Yeah. So at the moment, who is your favorite artist, and what what is the song that you're listening to, and you're like, this is amazing. I can't stop listening to. It. I can't get it out of my head. Um. I. The, the eternally favourite artist is, of course, Beyonce. Oh, honey. Of course. Love her. Of of eternal, kind of... She's, like, always up there. Always up there. Forever. So I don't think, like, it's fair for me to use her in this particular question, because, you know, that's... She gets immunity. She's immune. She gets immunity. But I'm really into... I'm really interested in Jay Huss's album and kind of what mm. he's creating there. Um... Especially uh, coming from, you know, this album came from a place where, you know, he spent some time in prison mm -hmm. and has kind of come out and kind of, you know, felt, feels like a second chance. And I think what he's doing musically is so interesting. And yeah. the things that he's talking about in his music, I mean, there's some interesting things on Twitter that he likes to say. But actually, if we really look at like what he's saying musically and what he's doing musically, I'm really inspired by him and really just loving kind of the music and what, what he's creating. And I think another artist who I just cannot stop listening to is Lizzo. Oh my god! I can't stop listening to that album. Blame it on the juice. Oh, it's just so good. It's so good, and it's so good that like the music industry are, like so they love her as well, don't yeah. they? Yeah, and so I think, important. Like I've loved her from when she just used to kind of like rap and talk. Yeah, and it's really interesting to see like an album where she's like singing, singing, like singing and playing the flute and. And dancing. I love and just, her. I just love her and I love what she stands for. And I think also just to see that translated in music. Because there are people who you're kind of like, oh yeah, I love what they stand for. But the music, you're like, it's fine, but it's not. Whereas I think with yeah. Lizzo actually, and Jay Huss actually, what they're kind of doing is really, really interesting. And yeah. I really love it. And I think it. probably the best artists at the moment, are the ones that are like taking control, taking the lead and putting out what they want about rather than these people who are like they're having their songs written for them they're being told yeah. what to do they're being told what to sing yeah i'm fascinated by like like i think there's been a lot of talk about contracts mm -hmm. and, and with music and and people just like churning out crap to get out of <laughs> to get out of their their contracts they're like well i, I i've got a five album deal i'm just gonna you release just anything anything so i've got two albums out and then i'm like closer to, to freedom um which is terrifying, but some of these independent artists who have been kind of grinding for years are really like making really interesting music. And I think Jay Huss and Lizzo are really prime example of very different music. But yet they're kind of, they, they have a similarity in that mm. they have this like authenticity about them. In the, yeah. And like I've, I've recently listened to, so I was like trying to keep up with the young people. Uh, uh, Billie Eilish. Oh, love her. Who I really love. And such an interesting voice. Such an interesting voice. And but fact, really cool. And her and her brother. Yeah. Kind of interesting dynamic. Making this music. <laughs> like, so cool. That sounds so. There's something quite inspiring about people making music at home and writing these songs at home without like a big like kind of backing and yeah. like you know, a whole team of writers and, like, kind of just them two just kind of creating this sound. But, like, her music still sounds like as if it was like out of a movie, like a yeah, movie soundtrack. 
It's fascinating. So fascinating. So yeah, I think those are like, yeah, those are the kind of like artists that I'm kind of listening to in yeah. terms of like something that feels quite futuristic. Yeah, definitely. So yeah. Yes. Amazing. We Thank did you it. so much. We did it. We did it. I we think it was it. cool as well. I think it was cool. I don't think we offended anybody. No, we might have offended Boris, but That's I don't okay. think anyone cares. No one cares about. No that. one cares at all. We went on a journey. <laughs> we, we got we got journey. everything in. Thank you. Thank you so much for Thank coming. You for having me. Thanks, honey. Yay! Thank you so much for listening, guys. I'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye. Bye.